Section 33 of The Golden Web by E. Phillips Oppenheim This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book 2, Chapter 12 A Strange Betrothal Southward, through the country lanes, whose hedges were still wreathed with late honeysuckle, on to the great main road, Dean's car was driven through the night, always southward, to the lights of the great city flared before them up into the sky. Dean himself, for hour after hour, had sat back in his corner, buried in thought. His companion was even more invisible, but as the end of the journey drew near, he roused himself with an effort, turned on the electric light which hung down from the roof of the car, lit a cigarette, and, bending forward, looked into the half-hidden face of the girl who was reclining by his side. "'My dear fiancé,' he said, "'we are nearing London.' Won't you rouse yourself and give me your further orders? She sat up with a little yawn. Let down the windows, please, she said. We will have some fresh air in for a few minutes. He obeyed her at once. The sweet midnight air through which they were rushing was like a douche of cold water upon her face. How far are we from London, she asked. Less than twenty miles. Unless we are stopped, we shall certainly be there in half an hour. "'Why did you disturb me?' she asked. "'To know your wishes.' "'You had better leave me at one of the small hotels in the West End,' she said. "'I dare say you can think of one at which you are known. "'In the morning, please come and see me and bring some money. "'I shall want to engage a companion and a maid, and to buy some clothes.' "'Dean looked at her curiously. "'Her manner was perfectly natural. "'Anything else?' he asked calmly. I don't think so, she answered. You mentioned the fact, I believe, he continued, that you were, that you had done me the honor, that you were, in fact, my fiancé. Well, she murmured, under those circumstances, he continued, don't you think? His hand rested for a moment upon hers. She drew it at once away. No, I think not, she answered. I have not had much experience, he went on, in being engaged, but it seems to me that there were certain privileges which belonged to that state. You are perfectly well aware, she answered, that ours is not an engagement of that sort. You know something about the world in which the men marry for position and the women for money, don't you? You can look upon our engagement as being of that order. I marry you because it is the only way I can make you pay your debt. I have given you notice from the first. I mean to gain everything I can and to give nothing. Nothing, he repeated. As little as possible, she answered. As a matter of fact, you are singularly indifferent to me. You simply represent the things I desire. The things which you are owing me. The things which we're owing to, to him. I marry you to acquire them. You marry me because you must. Well, he said, ours promises to be a novel matrimonial experience. Not at all, she answered. You have been reading too many novels, he declared. People really don't marry in this sort of way at all. There is always a pretense of sentiment about it. If not, for very shame's sake, they try to cultivate it. Then we, she answered, will remain exceptions. Do you dislike me, he asked. Personally, I have not thought about you, she answered. Apart from that, I hate you. You represent the victor, and all that I have loved upon this earth have been vanquished. Willingly, I would not give you so much as a touch of my fingers. 
if i thought that my presence was a pleasure to you i would shrink back into myself if i thought that any happiness could come to you from our association even now i would throw myself from the car and end it our prospects of matrimonial bliss he remarked appear to me to be distinctly above the average i do not expect she answered to find any pleasure that may come to me in later life at your hands i shall certainly not allow you to flirt i know the law she answered i know what i may do and what i may not do i shall not transgress it i want your money i want your position i want your power these things i will share with you for the rest you cannot keep too far away to please me he leaned towards her heedless of the fact that she was shrinking away there was something a little pitiful in the blue-gray eyes which tried so hard to hold him at a distance well said he it will be an interesting experiment at any rate personally i think that you are a brave woman i wonder that you did not take the money without me what good would that have been to me she answered i have no name no friends can't you imagine the sort of people who would have come hanging on to my skirts if i had made my debut on the scene as a widow or a spinster with a large fortune unattached looking for companions no i need your name mr sterling dean i'm not at all sure he answered grimly that you'll find that much of an asset you must see to it that i do find it an asset and a valuable one she answered you are relieved now from any fear of that deed being produced there is no shadow of evidence to connect you with the man sinclair or with my brother's transaction with him if your lawyers are clever and you are brave you must win your case with honor and hefferman will be sent to prison he deserves it in any case dean nodded i shall win my case all right he said for me there never was any danger except in the production of that document concerning which you have been so mysterious it was mine she answered i ran all the risks to get it i ran the risks the memory of which will haunt me all my days i have lost basil all that i can do is to extract the utmost price that you can pay for that little paper it isn't worth it you know said dean i believe even now that i should win my case anyhow she smiled a little curious contraction of the corners of her lips her eyes mocked him perhaps she said but it is a different thing since sinclair's murder its production today would ruin you inevitably whether it were held a legal document or not we all make mistakes he said looking out of the window but too often others pay for them she murmured turning away presently he gave some instructions to the chauffeur the pace of the car slackened as they reached the outskirts of london and turned westward well he remarked the world is full of surprises for us i little thought when i came down to rankney that it was to find a bride she shivered a little at his words but made no reply forgive me he said if i do not seem very coherent about it all as a matter of fact you see i was not expecting to take up obligations of this sort again so quickly if you do not mind she said coldly we will not discuss it i may at least be permitted to ask he continued when it is your intention to marry me in about two months time she answered you would like our engagement announced he asked she hesitated for a few seconds in a fortnight's time she declared in the meantime he inquired i shall have the pleasure of being received by you 
Certainly, she answered. I shall expect to lunch and dine with you occasionally, to be taken to theatres and for short expeditions into the country, Rainley and Hurlingham, for instance. Delightful. The car stopped at one of the smallest and most famous of semi-private hotels in the neighborhood of Bond Street. Dean assisted his companion to alight. If you will come in for a moment, he said, I will arrange things for you here. They know me very well. She followed him into the hotel and waited while he interviewed the manager. Then he took his leave of her, bowing over her reluctantly offered hand, and smiling into her face as though honestly anxious to penetrate behind its absolute imperturbability. I hope you will find the little suite comfortable, he said. You must go to bed soon and try to rest. They will do everything that is possible for you, I am sure, until you have your own maid and things. Good night. She raised her eyes for a moment to his, but there was more indignation than gratitude in the glance she threw upon him. I am very much obliged to you. Good night. Dean drove back to his rooms. As yet, he could scarcely realize the situation. Had anyone ever been confronted with a position so unique? The mystery of the girl's impenetrability was solved at last. End of section 33